Good morning. All right, you got grace this morning, okay? God bless you guys for being here. Listen, sometimes in football, you have to call an audible. What that means is the quarterback comes to the line and we're gonna do a running play. And then all of a sudden, he says, no, we're gonna do a passing play. And he says something to his line and to his receivers and they go and they take the play and they calls an audible, he changes the play. Well, my whole plan was to come up here and to go right into the sermon, but my heart is extremely heavy right now with a lot of things that are going on within us. And before we get to the text and then we are invited to partake of the elements of the table, I just want us to pray. And I have a couple of things that I want us to pray for. Sarah Rector, who's been a longtime member of our church, her mom fell, Ruth, and uh, she has Alzheimer's, she's hurt herself, She's going into a rehab facility, and I want us to go and pray for her this morning. Ashley Wong, Ashley and Sam Wong are members of our church there. They help lead a life group together with the Clarks. Um, Ashley's mother and stepfather were killed in a car accident on Friday night at around 10 p.m. I talked to Sam, and I said, Sam, I'm not even sure what to say, but that I love you, man, and God loves you, and what can we do to help you? And he says, just pray that my wife and I, who know Jesus, would be a witness to those in her family that don't know Jesus. Jessica Stewart, the Stewarts have been dear friends of ours for a long time. They're in our life group. Jessica's father passed away suddenly in a scuba diving accident on August the 17th, and she is now back home, and there's a lot going on with their family as well. And there's a little boy named Lincoln who is six months old, and he's having some test run for some things that are going on with him, and I want us to pray for his family. That's Lincoln Schofield. And then there is the Martin family. Their son, Alec, is in the hospital in Colorado. He was in a worship retreat. He was on a hospital, he's in a hospital in Colorado with an infection. And so I want you, right where you are, to join me in lifting up these requests as we do it as a family, okay? Let's pray. God, you are sovereign. You are good. You are great. You are alive and one day you are gonna come back and we are not gonna have to deal with all the things that we deal with. But Lord, right now as we begin and we start and we remember that the, the bread was given as a reminder of you and your body that was given to us and the cup was a reminder of our sins that we can be forgiven. And before we get there and look at the text, I just want us to pause and just thank you for your goodness even in the midst, God, of just all these kinds of things that are going on in life, I just wanna thank you that you are good and you are great and every good and perfect gift is from above. And sometimes when we go through these things, we wonder, are you in control? And God, I declare this morning before we even get started that the table right here symbolizes that you indeed are in control, that you've never stopped being in control. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to see through the fog of our despair and see your goodness and your grace. And so we ask you to lift up Sarah Rector and her mom, Ruth. We ask you to encourage her. We ask you to comfort her and give her wisdom as she cares for her mom. And Lord, we pray for Ashley and Sam. God, I don't even know the words to say, but your Holy Spirit goes before me and says them. You know exactly what we, we can do as a family, as a church family, to love them and comfort them and encourage them. And I pray that for Sam and Ashley, that they would be great witnesses to their family. But at the same time, Lord, that you would give them a time to grieve, a time to mourn, and Lord, a time to be refreshed by how good you are. Um, I'm grateful for their theology that is gonna get them through this anxious situation and thank you for that they are firmly rooted in you. And I pray the same thing for Jessica Stewart and Daniel as Jessica 
just lost her father in a very tragic accident. I pray for them, that you would comfort them, that you would encourage them, that God, you would give them great wisdom, encouraging how to care for her mom now and take care of them and that you would give her an opportunity to grieve and mourn as well and that you would heal her. I pray for little Lincoln, little six-month-old Lincoln and I lift him up to you, Lord. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. He is yours and I pray that you would protect him and I pray you'd be with his parents and I pray, God, that you would heal him and I pray that you would give the doctors wisdom to how to care for this little boy and that, Lord, you would, you would just protect him and I pray, God, for the Martin family, for Alec and Chandler and Sherida and I just lift him up to you. I thank you for them and I thank you for their influence on my life and the encouragement that they've been to me and I just pray that you would be with, with Alec and that you would heal him and that you would bring them all back to North Carolina safe and sound and reunite that family. And Father, for there are things going on in this body that I don't know about, and so I lift them up to you and ask you to intervene and for you to deliver and for you to teach great lessons about yourself and for you to remind us that you are always, always, always in charge. Help us never to forget that and help us to learn that and absorb that and let that sink in as we continue throughout this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, expectations are a pretty natural part of life. Um, expectations sometimes are good and sometimes they're bad. Uh, expectation for my, my boy Jake, he wanted a FIFA World Cup soccer ball for his birthday recently. And he wanted a World Cup soccer ball like nobody's business. And I can tell you that he expected that one of those presents to have a World Cup soccer ball in it. And when he opened that box, he was not disappointed because Nana came through with a FIFA World Cup soccer ball. He expected that and it was given to him and he was pretty excited. You can also, expectation can take on a negative form. Like for instance, let's just say you're coming home from work and you expect to have this great meal with your family. Everybody's gonna be around the table. It's hard to do these days. You're gonna sit around and you're gonna feast and you're gonna eat together only to come home to find out you're having meatloaf. Who in the world would do that? That would be an expectation I did not expect and the truest form of negativity. My buddy Matt Hahn called me this week. He called me this week and he says, I gotta tell you something, Matt. He said, uh, Abigail and I were swimming at the pool. We were swimming at the pool this week and we were sitting at the pool and, and, and Abigail started to share the gospel with this six, little six-year-old girl. And I was like, oh yeah, go for it, Abigail. And she started telling her about the love and forgiveness of Jesus. And she says, and if you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus, then you can go to the, the good place that has streets of gold and you can worship Jesus forever. And then she said, but... If you don't, then you go to the dark place where there was a bad man and you get eaten by bears. <laughs> I don't think that this little girl expected that. Matt said, you wouldn't believe what happened. Right there, right then, she repented and came to faith in Jesus. He said, no, I'm just kidding. She swam away. <laughs> she didn't expect that. But if you've been in church for a long time, you've been at Northwest for a long time, here's what we expect. We expect a holy God to come back. All right, I'm gonna say that again. We expect a holy God to come back and redeem and rescue all of this beautiful mess. Amen? He is going to do that. Rest assured, he will do it. He said he would do it and he is coming and he's coming soon. And we wait with great expectation for that glorious day that he does come. 
the Bible says in John 14, one through three says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And again, in, in, in Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 14, it says this, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Here it is, wait for it. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And the church said, amen. He's coming. And we come to that table. We're allowed and invited to partake of the elements of the table this morning to celebrate that he's coming. And we wait expectantly for him to come because he promised it, he said it. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. There are things that get in the way of your life and my life that prevent us from seeing these great promises. There's the busyness of life that that causes us to be wrapped up in things and stuff that really don't even matter, that cause us not to really see it or remember it. And then there's things that, like sin, that easily ensnares us, that we're wrapped up in, that we can't see it and we're not focused on it. And the table right here doesn't mean what it can mean and should mean because we're just wrapped up in a sin or a lack of reading the word. And then there is the Navy SEAL training, otherwise known as being a parent, that causes us to go, I can't see, God, your promises. I'm fighting hard to see it right now, but I'm drowning. I am drowning. And, and possibly, which is where my heart has been this week as the Lord has placed this message on my heart before we come, is that some of you right now and some of us right now, I include myself in this, is that are going through some type of just anxious or anxiety that is just overcoming us, that is causing us a failure to see the greatness and the goodness of God, that God is alive and that he's coming back again. And so my prayer for us this week is that we would be able to rest and be able to address that issue, the fog that's in our life of seeing the promises of God and the coming Savior and waiting expectantly and joyfully for him, that we would just pause and focus on one verse, and that's Isaiah 40. Verse 10, in 1979, a man by the name of Mr. Reed always came to my grandmother's house. And Mr. Reed was in a wheelchair. And he wasn't in a wheelchair because he was paralyzed, he was in a wheelchair because his legs were amputated. And I remember being a seven-year-old boy and a seven or eight-year-old boy and he would come to my grandmother's farm and he'd get out of his car and, 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 and he'd wheel up to the side of the house and we would stand up there and talk to Mr. Reed. And I would always ask my mom, mom, what, what happened? What happened? And I remember this like it was yesterday. She looked at me and she says, well, Matt, he had too much sugar in his legs because he's diabetic and he had to have his legs amputated. Fast forward to 1984. I'm sitting in my, my room in South Windsor, Connecticut, doing my homework, sitting there doing some math and English homework. And my mom and my dad walk into my room. And I sit down on the side of the bed 
And they look at me and they say, we need to tell you something. And I'm like, what? what's going on? They said, you're diabetic. And I immediately went, Arnold um, Drummond, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. Because my mind immediately drew and my head drooped and I looked at my legs. Because that was the image that I had. And for 30 years, for 30 years, God has kept me in a very sweet, sweet spot to remember his goodness despite a simple condition. Except this summer got really, really dark. And I got mad. And I got frustrated. And what happened was the truth of God, especially his return and his expectant return and all these things got really cloudy. And for some reason, I feel like some of you and some of, my, some of us are right there to where we can't see. And God wants us to see and God wants us to celebrate the truths that are all throughout this book to give us rest for our soul so that when we come to the table, we can truly proclaim the Lord's death and his return. And so in order to get our hearts ready for the elements that are represented by the table, I want us to go to Isaiah 41.10. And I want this to be great encouragement for you because it was great encouragement for me. And it has been great encouragement for me. And I want us to take a look at what it says in Isaiah 41 verse 10 because the folks in Israel were doubting whether God was in charge of every single event. They saw things that were going on and they got discouraged they got they were in despair they were dismayed they were just overwhelmed and then the prophet Isaiah that was used of God comes to them and gives them this one verse and I encourage you to read the entire chapter 1 through 21 if you get a chance but this one verse summarizes him recognizing that I know what you are going through and I want to be your help so that you can see and you can savor, savor the promises that are listed in this book that are for your benefit and your joy and for my glory. So let's take a look at the text. It's a beautiful, beautiful text. It says, it says fear not, for I am with you. That'll preach all by itself. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Personal, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I really want to just share with you about four basically statements that really help us settle our hearts. I hope we'll settle our hearts before we come and participate in communion so that we can appreciate what God came to do to allow us to remember him, to allow us to focus on him, and to allow us to be, to allow us to be used by him. First thing I want you to see is this in, in the first part of the verse. It says, fear not for I'm with you. The word fear not overwhelms me because here he comes to a group of people and he says fear not. The reason it says fear not is because he recognized and he realized and he's concerned that they were overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. We serve a personal God. He knew what they were going through. The first thing he says is fear not, which goes to show us that he is aware of everything that's going on in your life, everything that will go on in your life, and he is in control of every bit of it. And he comes to us and he says, fear not. Why? Because I am with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. When I was little, I didn't want to go upstairs by myself. I was like, Will, you got to go with me. I'm not going upstairs to get my pillow or, or get something I forgot. I'm scared. 
And here it is right here. We serve, we serve a God who says, listen, you're never going to be alone. Yeah, I am always, always, always with you. And I, I just pray that our soul would be lifted up because of the fact that God desires to give you peace. That's what that verse means, is God gives you peace because the opposite of fear is a faith in a living God, and it is peace. It's a calming of your soul that is given only by him. Only by him that can allow us to rest. The second thing I want you to see is that God gives you encouragement. The Bible says, be not dismayed, for I am your God. The word dismayed means discouraged, it means rattled, and it means paralyzed. It means you're incapacitated to be able to do what God has called you to do because of maybe a situation or maybe we've forgotten something about him and who he is. And so he says, because you are mine and I am yours, I listen to you, I hear you, I know exactly what's going on in your life and I want to help you, I want to give you encouragement. Some people in our lives and in our circles have the spiritual gift of discouragement. And that is overwhelming. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, what do we want to do? We want to encourage each other because why? We serve a God who desires to encourage us, to push us, to rebuke us, and he's fully capable and fully right in doing all of that. So we don't serve a God that is uninterested. Third thing I want you to see in this little verse right here is that God says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. This summer, I was going through this situation where I was just like, I just don't like being diabetic. And I had a really good friend I was talking to, goes to this church, and he looked at me in the face and he said, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked God and thanked him for allowing you to be diabetic? In the name of Jesus, I wanted to practice church discipline and give him a UFC throat punch. Because I did not like that. But then it reminded me of Paul. It reminded me of Paul, who was just overwhelmed with his convictions, his afflictions, but he didn't let it get in the way of how God was using him. And here's what the Lord led me to do this summer. He said, God, I want to thank you for being diabetic. I want to thank you for allowing me to have it so that you've given me a constant reminder that I need your strength. And I cannot do this on my own. And I have to tell you something, it was freeing, it was beautiful, it was like a celebration, it was like the fog lifted. And you could see the truths that were contained in the Bible and it was like they were new again. And all this has been happening for the last month and so here's what happens. God desires to give us a reminder that we completely need him. And he is sovereign and in control of everything. And this summer was a great reminder that even in our afflictions, we can be thankful for a God who reminds us that we need his power to live this life. And then last one right there is that God gives you his best. Look at the verse, it says, I will uphold you. First he said he was gonna give us, he was gonna give us peace, he was gonna give us encouragement, he was gonna give us strength, and then he comes and says, I'm gonna give you my best. Look at the verse, it says, I will uphold you with what? With my righteous right hand. When you take a look in all of the Bible and you take a look at the righteous right hand, anytime it talked about the right hand of God, it denoted strength, it denoted power, it denoted like that it was victory, it was promised, it was assured. And as I started looking at the verse and studying the verse, I'm like, you finish this statement, who sits at the right hand of God? 
Jesus sits at the right hand of God, and here is God looking at their affliction, helping them to, to see who he is and be reminded of his promises, but looking at their affliction, looking at their doubt, looking at their anxiety and saying, I have come to give you my best, and that is my son. That is God in the flesh. His name is Jesus. He's the only one who can love you like you need to be loved. He's the only one who can forgive you like you need to be forgiven. He is the only one who can take away your sin. He is the only one who was dead and is now alive. And that's the one I'm giving you so that you can celebrate that and you can see and wait expectantly for me to come again and get you. And when we settle and when we take a look at all of this, and when we come here and we, 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 we unpack that verse and we get reminded of that, it's like almost the dust settles, the fog lifts. Our eyes become, we become clear. Our eyes become clear. We can see. We can see those promises. We can rest in those promises. And, and so my prayer is this, is that maybe God would use this verse this morning to allow you to see that the fog is lifting, that it's not as bad as it it's not as bad as it could be. Do you understand that it is overwhelming? That it is, some things in life are just completely overwhelming, but here's what God desires to, to let us know. I have come to give you strength. I've come to give you my best. I've come to encourage you so that you will see and you will savor who I am because your joy and my glory is dependent on that. And so the table. We at Northwest participate in communion throughout the year because we all need reminders. I'll finish this. I want you to help me finish the statement. It says, do this in remembrance of? And so this table is not about what you have done. This table is not about what I have done. This table is simply about what he has done, listen, and what he will do. And so the bread is representative of that body that he gave to us and that he gave his body, that nobody took his body, that he willingly gave his body for us. And then that cup, aren't you glad we don't have to sacrifice animals to get forgiveness of sins? Are you serious? And here we have this cup that represents the new covenant that says all sin is forgiven when we repent and believe in, believe in King Jesus. And oftentimes throughout our church, we come here and we say, this is what we are here to remember, to focus on. So that most specifically, regarding today, we can see his promises, yes, we can see his truths, yes, but we can wait expectantly for him to come and come again. And so here's what I wanna do. I just want, while, you're, while we're waiting here and before we come to the table and before the elders and the deacons come up, what I would love to do is I just want to give you a chance to just pray and do business with God. Just right where you are. If there is sin in your life that you have not confessed, there's a God in heaven, as I preached a couple of weeks ago, that is generous to give you a reminder that you must repent and give you a chance to repent and come clean before him. I want to give you a chance to just prepare your heart and settle your heart and allow this verse to maybe just settle the issues that are going on in your life, whether it's parenting, whether it's anxiety, whether it's just stress, whatever the case is. I'm asking God just to allow this time over the next couple of minutes while Bill plays that you would just allow God to speak to you and pray to him. And then in just a minute, we'll come to the table together.
God, I wanna thank you so much for this day. I wanna thank you so much for what you have done for us. I thank you that the Bible says over and over again that you are coming, that one day you will come for those who have relationship with you and we come and partake of this t- the elements of this table to remember what you did and remember what you will do and remember what you are doing. Lord, I refuse, I refuse to believe the lie that you are not actively engaged in the every affair of the world today. May we, by coming to this table, remember what you are doing. May we remember that how, how sovereign you are and how in control you are and how you are over all things and all things are given for you and for your glory. Allow us to be responsible in what you have given to us. Allow us to be good stewards of what you've given to us. We thank you, God, for this bread that was given that's a symbol of your body. That it's a reminder of what you did for us. I thank you for that bread. And God, I thank you for this cup and I thank you for the new covenant. I thank you that we don't have to get a, a bull or a goat and sacrifice that every year and get forgiveness of sins, that the veil has been torn, that you are without spot or blemish and that you and you alone and you alone paid the price for us to be forgiven. And finally, God, I pray that if there is anybody in here right now that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that has not said yes to you, I pray that right here, right now, that they would say, God, I believe in you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to save me. Because I know when they ask that, you will do just that. And for those of us that are here, Lord, there are so many things that cloud the truths of, of, the, of the Bible. So I pray that today you would use the text of Isaiah to remind us of your peace, remind us of your encouragement, remind us of your strength that you give, and clearly remind us that you simply gave us your best. May we do just that for you because of you and because of your great name. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm gonna ask our elders and our deacons to go ahead and make their way forward and line up here. We at Northwest Community Church, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then we invite you to partake of this. If, if you're not ready, whether it be whatever issue it may be, then just pass the plate past to the next person. Obviously, we have our children here this morning, and so we're gonna need some help with those kids as well. So parents, please help your kids as well. Also wanna make you aware that our communion comes in two cups, okay? There is bread and there is juice. So just go ahead and take Take the one cup, but there are two. One slot, two cups, okay? Right before Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples together. They didn't really understand everything that he was trying to teach them. I think it was much later that they really understood what he was teaching them. You and I together now know exactly what Jesus was doing. He wanted them to be gathered together to remember the truths, remember what he did, and not lose sight of the great truths of the Bible because there's so many. And our hope today was to be able to see that there are a lot of things that are going on in life that distract us from seeing what this table represents. And so the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and the, the, the beauty of the cup is that we can be forgiven of our sins. The beauty of the cup is that we are forgiven once and for all. The beauty of the cup is that Jesus Christ lives and he's coming again. And we live in a new covenant. And so it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, it says, it says, in the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. God, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for life. I am so grateful that we can be reminded of your great coming. Great, great, great day that will be. And I pray, God, that we will not lose focus of, th of that day because of this day. I pray that the things that we go through on a daily basis will help us to remember with joy and expectation of the day that you will come. Let us not lose sight of that. Remind us today and throughout the week that Isaiah desires that we can have peace through you and we can have encouragement through you and we can have strength from you. And ultimately, God, what you have given us is your absolute best and that is your savior. That is the savior of the world, your son, your one and only son. It is you in the flesh. It is Jesus. It is Jesus and only Jesus. And I pray that we'll never forget that. I love you, God, and I thank you so much for this beautiful day. It's your name that I pray. Amen.